wonderful to see God's people today. I uh, always love to come and worship, and uh, hopefully the music warms you up. <laughs> A lot about heating things up when it's cold outside. Um, you know, I was talking about how I send out messages on Sunday morning. Uh, I learned that from a post office supervisor. Um, if we were taking too long on the route, she'd always check in, and uh, sometimes we'd get a voicemail, and I'd go back and listen to it. And it would say, Derek, where you at? <laughs> That's how she checked in. And sometimes I feel like that, and I kind of apply that to ministry. I'm like, where you at? You know, where are people? Uh, and, and I'm concerned. I'm a shepherd. I'm looking around. Episcopos means to scope, to watch, to see. You're a seer, a shepherd. Uh, but as we begin this morning, I'm going to share a story with you. Um, years ago, there was a church, and they had gathered for an evening meeting, and, and, and they were going through the next step in the church as it was growing. What is next? And people were going around and, and giving testimonies about sacrifice and, and giving um, to the calls of the ministry and the mission. And, and through this, one man stood up. He was a rich man, and everybody pretty much knew that. And he made his way up front and wanted to share his testimony. And he said, I'm a millionaire. He said, but I testify to all the riches and blessings of God because I am a millionaire because of what God has done in my life. He said years ago when he was young, there was a turning point in his life where he had gone to a church service and he had his first dollar that he had earned. All he had was a dollar and the time came for the offering. And he decided at that point, I'm going to give all to God. When the plate came by, he put his dollar in, and, and God continued to bless him. And as he shared that God had blessed him, he'd been able to create jobs and benefit other people. And when he was done, there was a quietness in the sanctuary, a kind of an awe at how God had worked in this man's life, and he made his way back to his seat, and he sat down. And there was a little old lady sitting next to him, and she leaned over, and she said, I dare you to do it again. I dare you to give it all. Now, church, I share that with you today. I love that story. It broadens our minds about giving and sacrifice. A lot of times we see sacrifice as uh, this one thing, but it, a sacrifice affects all areas of our life through our entire life. And to be honest, we should, in fact, dare each other and inspire one another to do more, to give more. We should dare people. We should challenge ourselves to take up new causes, uh, to be willing to step out of our comfort zones and do new things for the cause of Christ and the mission of the church. Now, when we talk about money, this is the reality in the 21st century church and was part of the 20th century church. But when we talk about giving and tithe and offerings and sacrifice, it makes some people feel very uncomfortable. Now, as I say that, I want to say that because it did to me as well. When I was not living wholeheartedly for Christ, when I was not living and pursuing Him, any time the pastor talked about money, it made me feel uncomfortable. If there was a, a building program, if there was a need in the church. And those who have discovered the tithe, and those even like the man in the story who decided to sacrifice from a young age to make God first, they typically love messages about money because they want others to get it. They know when God moved in their life in the past when they said yes and they become obedient to God and giving their, his, their tithe to Christ, that 10% from the beginning, and of course offerings above and beyond. If you've ever experienced that, you, some people were taught that from their youth. They have given from their youth and they are typically blessed people. 
And people who are not so good with their money, who do not give regularly, typically uh, squirm. In most messages I've ever preached about giving or tithing, there's always somebody that goes, <coughs> I don't know what that is. It's kind of like, we got to stop this pastor from talking about this message on money. But I want you to know that money is dealt with throughout the scriptures. Um, from Genesis to Revelation, it is a teaching for Christians throughout the scriptures, and it is for our benefit. It is not to shame you, though there is a lot of words about condemning those who give inappropriately. And our Lord Jesus Christ had a lot to say about money. Now, I haven't gone through and counted every time, but as you've joined us in going through the life of Jesus through Luke, Jesus talks about riches. He talks about those who are impoverished. He talks about giving. He talks about offerings and all those things on a regular basis. He talks about how we use it. And he also talks about our very heart and our concern in giving. And today at the end of Luke chapter 20, as Jessica has read that, as we are closing chapter 20 and getting into chapter 21, there is a contrast. There's a contrast of these scribes who gave, um, who wanted to be seen, who devoured widows' households. And then you transition into chapter 21, and the first few verses shows that Jesus is observing things in the temple, and he sees this widow come, and she gives just two coins. You can hear it go into the box, and Jesus wants us to take notice of this woman and what she has done. And we're, so we're going to get back into this. We're going to reread uh, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. But before we do, we're going to recite what we do from 2 Timothy uh, each month or so as we get into the Scripture. So we say this together if you're new with us, we're reciting this together. So repeat after me, all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Amen. Here's the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 21, let's get into this, verses 1 through 4. Jesus looked up, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. As they've watched all these people come through and give, she, he wants you to see this woman. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. That in itself is a radical statement uh, that not only the rich are giving, but this poor woman, if this is all she has, she comes and actually still gives to the calls here of God and her offering to God. Let's pray together this morning. God in heaven, we love you. Lord, we've come to worship you. This is our corporate gathering. We thank you that we join in with the church, what they've done from the beginning, that they pray together. Lord, they had communion together. They fasted together. Uh, they gave together. They, they learned the teachings of the apostles. And Lord, we sit under your teachings today. And I pray that you give us a heart that cares, a heart that's not trying to pretend on the outside to look religious um, but that a heart that is in love with you and other people. And Lord, that we are living out this authentic faith. This thing is real. We're not pretenders. We are lovers of you and lovers of people. Pray that you bless your words, Lord, and I pray that we have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to us today. 
that we have eyes, spiritual eyes, to see your kingdom business, how we're to live here in the 21st century. And Lord, I pray that we are putting off the old man, what we talked about Wednesday, and we are putting on the new man who is made in the likeness of you, who is renewed by the Spirit. Lord, that the old is gone and the new has come, and that we live out this Christian walk, that we have not just taken the title Christian, that we are uh, living for you, that we are obedient to you, and that you've empowered us with the Holy Spirit to overcome the sins in our life, that we may be like Christ. Bless your words in Christ's name. Amen. Now, church, we began to go through the life of Jesus through the gospel of Luke for a reason, and from time to time, I want to remind us why. The reason, this is part of my testimony, I've shared these things from time to time, um, but the reason is growing up in church, and many of you have experienced this in the culture at large, and, and American Christianity have been fed a Jesus fashioned after the image of sinful people. Uh, we've tried to fashion a Christianity after the culture who has departed from God. Um, our culture, by the way, we, we sing God Bless America every July 4th. I love our country. Our country needs to bless God again. Uh, we, our country has removed prayer from public schools. Now, people can still pray. Obviously, young people can. But the teacher cannot lead you through any of these things in prayer. Uh, we took the Ten Commandments out of schools. And uh, school shootings began to happen. You know what's in the Ten Commandments? That is a good teaching. You shouldn't kill. Oh, we don't want this religion forced on us. I think those are good things that we've talked about. Um, but we've also been taught this Jesus that is just this silly, hippie dude. And this Jesus has some very serious things to talk about. And we should not skip over what Jesus has to say. In fact, I, I actually bypassed a few things, not that I wanted to, uh, but I've spent a lot of time helping you understand that Jesus is very severe. He is very loving. He is kind. God loves you. That is a message of hope for our culture. Uh, but He is very severe. There's going to be those who are going to be punished. There's parables uh, back in chapter 20 and, and 19 that Jesus says these people will be cut into pieces for disobeying. Now that is not anything you're going to hear from just a regular church. You come in, you sing, we celebrate, Woo, we love this Jesus, he's awesome, he's going to make you feel better. You're going to be in a better employee by Friday, five steps. All you have to do is this, 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 and that, and God is going to make you wealthy. And uh, that is not the message of the gospel, though God can bless you. That there is some things that are hard that Jesus says, and I've never heard a message on the fact that Jesus, God, is going to judge people and cut them into pieces. That's radical, isn't it? But I'm a liberal pastor, so we're bypassing that for now, because we have somewhere we have to get to. But we're going to deal with money. So here it is, we've been following the life of Jesus, and at this point in the biblical narrative, Jesus is now in Jerusalem as recall, we were talking about how Jesus had to pass through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And there he met Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus had him in his home. And salvation had come. A wonderful message. But the point is, is that he had to pass through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. At this point, he is now in Jerusalem. And his triumphal entry has already occurred. This is what we do for Palm Sunday. We, we talk about the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. It has happened already in the narrative here. We will celebrate Palm Sunday on April 10th. Jesus also weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps for the people who are as sheep without a shepherd, who have been taken advantage of by religion, 
Um, the, the Pharisees had made this thing a very dead religion, and people were suffering because of it. And Jesus also cleanses the temple. Now, I want to ask you, um, did Jesus use any of these COVID cleaners for the temple? How did he cleanse the temple? I want to know. With a what? With a whip. Where did he get that whip? Did he buy it on the street? How did he get the whip? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loves you, made a whip. And there's actually, in, in one of the Gospels, it talks about the disciples. Um, it says, and Jesus wove a whip. And I'm fascinated to think about the disciples always following Jesus, and they pause, they're sitting down, they're probably eating and talking, they look over and they see that Jesus is weaving something, and they start to see how it's formed into a whip. And the disciples are probably like, man, what teaching is next, right? See, what's going to happen with this thing? But Jesus goes into the temple because he burns for his father. And he's seen how they've made it corrupt in, in the temple. They took advantage of people. They would bring sacrifices and they would say, your sacrifice is not pure enough. It is with blemish. And, and so they would upcharge them more money for one that they would deem uh, without blemish. They were taking advantage of people. And Jesus comes in with that whip and he is twirls, you know, swinging it around. He is flipping tables. You know what people say, when, you know, when they get on to you about being judgmental, they say, what would Jesus do? I've had people say that to me when I say something that Jesus said. What would Jesus do? I was like, that doesn't make sense. What would Jesus do? What did he do? Flip some tables. What would y'all do if I came in here and so flipped over some tables? You'd be like, we've got to find another pastor. But Jesus did these things. And then the Pharisees came to Jesus and they used questions of authority and taxation and on the resurrection to trap him. And each time he turns the tables on them, literally, and made prophetic announcements condemning Jewish leaders for leading many down the wrong path into false religion rather than the way of life. And at the end of chapter 20, Jesus gives a warning about these scribes. He actually says, beware of them, watch them, be careful of them. And before we get into that, I want to share a passage of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount uh, dealing with money because Jesus never avoids important matters. We want to avoid important matters for ourselves so we can over overlook issues in our lives. Um, I've done that in the past. Trust me, I know when I share, I'm sharing from a history of growing up in church uh, pretending at times, leaving the church for a season, coming back and, and seeing things from the outside and the inside and being a pastor and not a pastor. Uh, so my heart uh, is about these things because I want you to get them uh, because I didn't always get it. And I share that from my perspective. Uh, but these are things we need to hear. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that money matters to God. It matters for a reason. And I want you to know money matters to you. When we say money matters to God and we're trying to come under the teachings, we were how dare they? It was like, money matters to you. More importantly, money matters to God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, the very first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Church, you cannot serve God and money. So here it is. God gives us able bodies. 
He gives us gifts and abilities to use, to earn, to provide for our families, and to glorify God. God gives to us, but we typically try to keep what God gives us, by the way. God is giving to you, and we are keepers and takers, and we're trying to build up as much as we can. Uh, But God's ultimate goal is for you to be like Him. God is a loving giver. He loves you. He gives to you the very breath of life. All your abilities, all your gifts are gifts from God. He is a loving giver, and He wants to teach you how to be more like Him. And He has a wonderful mission for us through holy stewardship of our resources. That there's a better plan. And I want you to know that oftentimes your way is not working, is it? And God knows how to do it the right way. We just have to align our lives with His teachings and be obedient with Him. So how we respond with money and our resources, our investments, our business deals, our careers, all these things matter to God. The way we run our businesses The way we invest in things, we should be thinking about the kingdom and what God would have us to do before we even click or pull the trigger or whatever it is. Um, When there's an investment, a business deal, and these things, when when somebody approaches you with this awesome uh, pyramid scam, I mean, you are, everybody's like, oh, I can make lots of money. Oh, I love that pink Cadillac. I want to make as much as you make. And I was like, ugh, I don't know. Maybe you guys got that pink Cadillac. I don't know. Some women aspire to have those things. And I get it if you want to earn. Um, but a lot of the stuff, you're giving off tons of money to the business. It is a scheme for them to make lots of money. You become a middle person to make money from and take advantage of other people. But God is concerned I heard years ago this guy was like, man, what do, you, what do you think about getting into a pawn shop and doing that? A Christian guy. Or these checks cashing places. Is that what you want to do as a Christian? Is make money off of taking advantage of people who are struggling? Yeah, you, it might be a good lucrative business deal. You know what's very lucrative right now? CBD oil, marijuana, Colorado. Lots of money is being made. We traveled to Colorado in 2014 for the first time. Smelled clean. <sighs> Went back a few years later, smells green. You drive through Denver, you're going to smell marijuana. Lucrative, lots of money. But is that how you want to invest your life and if a career? How you shop matters to God. Uh, spending, planning, buying, all these things must be brought into submission to God. Now, three clear teachings and simple teachings from the passage here from Sermon on the Mount. The first thing I want you to see is heaven has a better return. I mean, we should all smile and get that, shouldn't we? That investing in the kingdom of God is such a better investment, that we get a better return. And and I'm not sure what your plan is now for your retirement and all these things, but we must start investing in the kingdom of God. In America, it is upward mobility. What can I do to make more money? You end up spending more time at work. The time takes you away from your family, and it it takes you away from God. Uh, There's people all the time, well, you know, I need more money, so I'm missing work. We should make the kingdom more important. I was sharing this in first service. I want to share it with you. I have mentors in my life, and if you don't have a mentor, you should go out of your way and harass somebody until you get a good mentor. I have, and that's how I got mine. I called them and called them until they said yes. But I have mentors that I call and I ask questions from time to time, and I ask several men who are in their 60s and 70s who've done ministry, who've lived as Christians a long time, and I said, if you at your age could speak back into your younger self at age 46, which I am now, what would you tell yourself? And I heard, you know, different answers, but all kind of aligned to the same thing. But one, a good friend said this, if I could do it all again, 
I would spend more time with my family. Wow, right? Not going after that next business deal, earning more money because those things pull you away from your family, uh, even, even ministry. I talked to another um, person who is in a high leadership capacity in a denomination. I asked him, he said, you know, Derek, if I could do it all again, he said, I would be a poor pastor and a very good parent. Because you work really hard to do really well and impress and all these things. And of course, I think you should be a good pastor, obviously. You want a good pastor. But if he had to pick between the two, that I'd let some things go as a pastor and, and spend more time with my family and be a better parent. And I'm like, wow, it's radical. On earth, we are investing in the wrong things. We need to be investing in the kingdom. There's a better return. This week, I was at a doctor's office, and I heard the doctor say to the client, to the patient, and, and said, hey, how are you doing? And they said, yeah, doing well. Uh, we took a trip to uh, Utah, to Vegas. And I leaned in, because I want to know, right? I'm a pastor. I was like, what's going on with this Vegas stuff? And uh, so the doctor said, well, how'd it go? Well, we lost a lot of money. And he said this, and I already knew how the answer was going to go. He, he said, uh, that's how it tends to go, doesn't it? Well, yes. There's people that set aside money, that have a lot of money, that can set aside money to make a trip to go to Vegas to waste it. And the house wins. It's the same thing with the lottery. For the life of me, I do not understand. I'm not saying it's a sin I mean, there's some people that are, are learning and learning to mature, and along the way they make silly decisions because they, they have pipe dream. One, they don't understand math. Uh, lottery takes advantage of people who don't understand math or have pipe dreams because they're in poverty. And when you give to that, you're fueling that. I had a friend that posted on Facebook one day, I won the lottery, scratch off ticket, won like a few hundred or a thousand dollars. That, even winning that lottery he did win from a scratch off, he was still in the red. Because he'd been playing for years, and every payday, people don't do the math, every payday, uh, beer, smokes, and lottery tickets, and you're back in, in the red. Instead of paying for, it's, it's not a good investment, by the way. There's a better return with heavenly and kingdom investments. Your heart is the second thing I want you to see that Jesus talks about, is that your heart is tied to your money. If your treasure is in heaven, God's business, you're concerned about what's happening with God's business. You're praying for the church to succeed, for more people to get saved, for more people to be discipled because you're invested in this thing. You want to see the outcome. You want to see the fruit. You want to see the return on your investment. You'll be invested with your heart, and everything you do will be decided based on kingdom. The career decision I make. So there may be a career decision you need to say no to because it's going to pull you away from God and your family. Or maybe there's a decision you need to make to say yes to because God is going to bless you with more money to take care of your family and to help give to the ministry. My older brother does really well financially. He started tithing at a young age. God was blessing him. He has a good job, provides. But he said that God blessed him with that job so he could help fund the ministry. That's what he would tell you. It wasn't for him to have more money. It was for him to help support ministry. There's a better return, and it's tied to your heart. Your money's tied to your heart. Number three, you cannot have it both ways. As much as we want it that way in Americanized Christianity in the 21st century, uh, you cannot have God and money as your God. You have to choose. You have to make a decision. Jesus makes it clear that you can't have split devotions. You can't be devoted to building up all these things on earth and building up the kingdom. Either you will love God or money, not both. It's toys on earth or treasures in heaven. 
And I get to come in, and people don't like this. It makes people squirm already when you talk about money. But coming from the outside into Wyoming, into Casper, people in Casper, Wyoming, because of recreation, money is the highest value in Casper. The second highest value is recreation. And with recreation comes what? Toys. And with all those toys, you can drive, drive through bar none. Just take a field trip up there to bar none. Drive through bar none, and you'll go from driveway to driveway. Campers, side-by-sides, snowmobiles, all the toys. Uh, and I, I guarantee you, a lot of them are uh, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, but that shows who their God is. Now, I'm, not, I'm for having recreation stuff. I, I like the fact that people actually have campers that aren't brand new. Some people in this town have a house and a house parked in the driveway nine months out of the year. And I'm like, what in the world? I'd like a camper. But if I get one from the 80s maybe or 70s, we refurb one. You don't have to go and be in poverty. But those things are gods to people. You can't have both, so you have to choose. And Billy Graham said this. I love Billy. I love to share uh, his quotes along the way. But he said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of life. Money is so important. And doing counseling for years... And I was studying for counseling at one, uh, one time, and a lot of investment in there, watching what's happening with families. Divorce and bankruptcy go hand in hand. If you would just get your money in order, it settles a lot of problems. And Billy Graham is making a point of that. If you would just straighten up these things, it affects everything else. Sometimes I wish God would allow me uh, to peel back the clouds and allow us to see into his glory. To see him for all his glory, how good he is, and actually see the investments we have. Because you don't always see it on earth. You, you may give some to the church, but you don't always see the outcome. A lot of you may be watching your 401k and how those things are trending and all of that. I used to do the same thing when I invested. I was watching that. I wanted it to do well. But I wish we could see into heaven like Elisha in the Old Testament. The Syrian armies are moving in. And Elisha's servant was like, oh no, the enemies are here. And Elisha was like, what are you doing? Well, I'm worried. Bad guys are coming. And he's like, Lord God in heaven, open his eyes so he can see. And God allows him to see with prophetical eyes. To see the reality. And he saw these chariots. And this, these warriors from heaven. And, and he, said, he saw that more was with us than with them. That God is on our side. And if he could see that, I wonder if we could open things up and see the little bit we give and the impact it has made. I've been thinking about various things and, and, and how they affect lives. Could you imagine when we do baby bottle boomerang and we put change and some cash and some checks in these little bottles and we give it to true care and we support them. You don't always see what happens on the other end. But you could, could you imagine seeing and making it to glory and seeing these kids that come up to you and, and they say, hey, you're the one who gave. My mom was thinking about aborting me. My mom was deceived by the world, but you gave money to support. And they told me, uh, they told my mom that life was important. And my mom chose to keep me. And that person is in heaven. And you get to meet that person. Could you imagine when we had the Gideons come and speak and the Gideons give out Bibles around the world? If you've ever been to a hotel and you open that top drawer typically or the, the um, nightstand, you open that up. Typically, there's a Bible in there and it's stamped by the Gideons. Now, if you go to some places and here in Wyoming, probably in Utah, you'll see two books. We went to Jackson, opened up the top drawer. I was like, whoa, two books, two translations of the Bible. No, the Holy Bible and the Book of Mormon. 
wah, wah, wah. They've gotten into the hotels now. Uh, but could you imagine? There's somebody at the end of their life. They've gone to a hotel to get drunk. They're going to kill themselves. I've heard these stories time and time again, and they just happen at the last moment to grab one of those Bibles, desperate for some kind of word of hope, and they flip open the Scriptures, and they land upon the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and they begin to believe, and they're saved. I've heard these testimonies time and time again. But you gave to that? And you get to heaven, and you get to meet these people. You get to see the other end of the investment. That you gave to these ministries. We don't think about that here on earth. I'm still in awe thinking about how my mom and Brian returned to the church. You see, it's a weird story. The the, uh, pastor there at the church had a stroke. And he was going through rehabilitation. And he was going to the gym to develop his body back. While he was there, my younger brother had started going to the gym. He had gained a lot of weight. And, And then the pastor reached out and started talking to my brother. And in the conversation, he invited my younger brother to church. Because my brother was invited, my brother brought my mom. I told you last week that my brother returned to Christ in the church four months before he died. What an investment in this little country church. Everybody talks about, oh, the big churches are doing this, you know, this and that and that. And maybe they are. Small churches are connecting with people and making disciples and winning them to Jesus. And we're investing in the local church and people are getting saved. And there's a big return. Good things. The good thing is that Christ is the one who actually came from heaven. So we can't see into heaven other than the revelation that's been revealed to us, but Christ has been to heaven. He came to earth and he told us these things, and we can trust his word. Now, back to the poor widow here. Our motives matter to God. Luke chapter 21, verses 3 through 4. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. Put all that she had in to live on. Jesus had been teaching in the temple at this point, and he's been watching how people come and give their offering. And obviously, we have a time in worship where we give offerings. Some churches have a box in the back where you just put it through a slot or in the wall, and some people give online. And some, of course, our church, uh, we pass the offering plates. And thankfully, it's not a big showy thing, is it? You know, you don't see someone's you pull out their wallet and it's big. Oh, I won't ever shake it and throw it in there. You're not seeing that. But during this time, that is what they did. They came, as we talked about, uh, this, this Pharisee that came to worship. Jesus told this parable and the, the, sin, the sinful uh, tax collector. And, of course, the Pharisee was, hey, look at me, God, and, and praying aloud. And this, this was what they did. It was a big showy thing. You could not miss it. Of course, the other man, the tax collector, beat his chest. He didn't even look up. And he said, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. He recognized these things. But Jesus is observing. Everybody saw this. This was a regular pattern. But he doesn't want you to notice those guys. They're already noticeable. He wants you to see this this widow. Now, first, I want you to know that Jesus never said giving was bad. He never said these Pharisees are giving. That's an evil thing. He said the way they gave was wrong. Their heart, their motives were wrong. And he says, look at the widow. And I want you to know, not every rich person is sinful. There are rich people that give the right way. And not every widow is godly and doing it the right way. I know a widow who owned businesses who barely gave anything to the church. But this widow is the one Jesus wants you to see. Because when she comes, now he knows when she comes to give her offering, he knows her heart. Uh, He knows this woman. And he sees her. And I want you to know today that Jesus sees you and what you're doing. And our God is watching now how we live. 
And how we live and our motives and all these things matter to God. But he wants us to see this widow because what she's doing is spiritual. It is real worship. It is offering. And today we would say we're poor and we're living paycheck to paycheck and we can give nothing. And I want you to see this woman today. She had nothing left and gave it as an offering. We have materials and pleasures and the garage is full. Driveways are full. And we act like we're poor when it comes to giving to God. And this woman gives her, the widow's might, I think, is in the King James. This little offering that she has. And the main thing I want you to see is that our motives matter. You also can do the right thing for the wrong reason. You can give, but if you do it for the wrong reason, it is, it is wrong. We've heard so much of Jesus speaking on giving and strong words concerning the scribes and Pharisees. And he warns us at the end of chapter 20 about the scribes who actually have mistreated widows. He says that who have devoured widows' households for a pretense for making, in making long prayers. They have their condemnation. They will be condemned. And widows would come to the leaders of Jerusalem, these scribes and these Pharisees, and they would manage their affairs. And these people were taking advantage of widows to build up their own accounts. It was not even their money. It was stolen, and they're acting like they're worshiping. And here these widows are struggling to live day to day to even have uh, bread money. Look at me. Look at this, this rich person give. But again, you couldn't help but see. Um, but he's not focusing on the rich man. He's focusing on these two lepta, these two mites of the widow, these two coins. So you could hear the rich man with a bag of money pouring it all into the box. You can hear it plus the show with it. And this quiet, feeble widow comes and tink, tink. That's all you hear. But Jesus is telling us this woman has a spiritual story for us. We still hear about her 2,000 years later because she brought true worship. She has something to learn from. It convicts us. It makes us, we feel this. Because of her testimony, even 2,000 years later, Jesus is saying to us, wherever you are, you should do it the right way. You should give from the heart. Now, there is more in God's economy even when you have less. There's missionaries that make and have powerful ministries with living barely on anything today around the world. Today, these pastors that have these huge churches and wonderful uh, salary packages and and colorful and brand new shoes. That's the weirdest thing. Have you watched these, these pastors on TV? God bless them if they're winning people to Jesus. But they always have brand new shoes. <laughs> it's like, who has the money to buy a new set of shoes every week? But just, just uh, that's a side note. So much money wasted today, but just a little bit in God's economy does so much more. The rich here gave from their abundance and had more left over for themselves and much that they have taken from others. The widow gave from her poverty again. This is her food money. This is her bread money. But she still gave. It's fascinating. You never know who's in the crowd, in the congregation that's living paycheck to paycheck or on you know, uh, retirement money that's, not, that's very limited. I am still fascinated that my mom, who was not a tither most of her life, was tithing at the end of her life on her meager income. She was tithing. I was like, wow. You know? And God sees us. He's watching these things. And here's the deal. It's never been about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. 
regardless if you are high income or low income or in the middle, it has always been about our sacrifice and our worship of God. The greater the sacrifice, I really believe the greater the impact. The prayer that has gone with these things. Now, church, as we close, we opened uh, with a man who gave his only dollar, uh, but he was dared to give all that money that he had built off of that, the millionaire. But I want you to consider the value of your sacrifice and what you're giving and how you're giving it and if God is challenging you and how you've been living with your money. But I want you to potentially see the value of an investment and sacrifice. I came across a video this week, and uh, maybe you've seen the movie Schindler's List. It is an uh, adaptation from the life of Oscar Schindler who worked to save many Jews during the Nazi reign in Germany where they were killing Jews. But they show the end of the story where he actually had rescued you know, 1,100 Jewish people, and they're, they're showing him, they're honoring him through this. So as we close, I want you to watch this and allow God to speak to you through this. No idea. If I just generations because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Good, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Ten people right there. Ten people. Two more people. I didn't. I, I, I didn't. 
It's always a, a hard uh, scene to watch, but it helps us understand um, the impact of money and the kingdom. And I think a lot of us have done really good. The same with Oscar Schindler. He, would have, he did good. But at the end of his life, he realized right at this moment, how possibly could have done more. And so today, as we close, uh, the prayer is, uh, as you reflect, um, can I do more? I think that as Christ followers, wherever you are in your faith and your walk, um, that we should give God all. Let's close in prayer. God in heaven, at any given moment, there's people here who are struggling financially, living paycheck to paycheck for various reasons. And there are those who are making sacrifices we have no understanding of. But you see them and you honor them. Lord, I identify even in what I make and how I've lived. I've wasted so much that could have been given to the kingdom, that could have been used to support the ministry, to save people, to rescue lives. And Lord, today we are not in any, as you know, uh, we're not in a building program. We're not doing some big financial campaign. And the message today is just help us see your kingdom. Help us give the way you've called us to give. Not trying to be religious on the outside, but just worshiping you from the heart. And I pray we review all areas of our lives, that we bring them into submission to you. And Lord, we're for recreation and, and having a good time. Uh, you've blessed us. You've given us life to experience these things. But I pray that you speak to those who may be just wasting, buying things they don't need. For those who are in the, having to make a decision about a career or a job, those who may not have a job at this time and they're searching for a job, that, that you put your hand on them, lead them to make the right decision. Um, there's some who need to make more money. We pray that you help them. And those who probably don't need to take that next step as it pulls them away from you and from the ministry. But whatever we do, I pray that we do, that, is, uh, that we do it to honor you, to glorify you that we are laying up our riches in heaven. The return is much greater than what we get on earth. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you would stand as we close. And as we prepare to leave, um, the Lord loves you. As the Christian worldview, God loves you. And the world is fallen, the world is in sin, and we wrestle against those things, and we have the message of hope for Casper, for Wyoming, for the world, uh, for people to believe and follow Christ. And as we follow him, he speaks to us wherever we are about the issues that we are facing. And the hardest thing you'll ever deal with is deciding the will of God in your own heart. What is the will of God for you? And this is the way we deal with that. How when you leave today, what is the next thing for you to do? How do you know the will of God? Do the right next thing, and the next right step, the next right thing. Whatever God is opening a door for, say yes to it. And lay up your riches in heaven. 
Go in grace and peace. You are dismissed. You are loved. Go and fulfill the mission of God in our community. You are dismissed. God bless you.